Well, good afternoon, everyone. At 12.06, you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. This is the Noon Report. I want to welcome in everybody on Facebook Live. Please click the like button. Share that you're watching. If you click the like button, therefore, that notifies you when we go live. Just so, you know, uh, everyone understands the significance of it. And sometimes I hear from individuals that say, boy, I wish I knew when you were going to be, you know, going live stream and so forth. This portion of the show, folks, brought to you by Henry Oil. Call them today. The heating season is here. 401 521 Make Henry Oil your oil provider. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery since 1947. Fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery. Call Henry Oil today. Now, they have budget plans, service contracts, Lock and cap pricing, automatic delivery this winter season, starting today, Wednesday. Make Henry Oil your choice for heating oil on this Wednesday, November 17th, year of our Lord, 2021. 401-521-0200. Always online at henryoil.com. Well, folks, the uh, website, thepetro.com, has people buzzing. A lot of times you have to click on the link onto the website. I get people that send me stories, and then they don't realize that we've already posted them on the website. Uh, don't forget, petro.com, which is watched by Endzone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Stop it and see Dana and crew. Remember, they have karaoke on Friday and Saturday nights. And then they also have the uh, NFL ticket on Sundays. It's clean. It's friendly. It's family-owned. Endzone Sports Pub. Pop in and see them. Tomorrow night, Patriots. Against the Falcons on Thursday Night Football. You know where the game will be on? The game will be on End Zone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Well, folks, the reason I mention the website, depetro.com, is we do have original stories. We have original video. Uh, some are extensive. Other times it's just a, a matter of uh, putting out and sharing something. But you'll see uh, the top of the website, depetro.com, which was uh, voted Best local news site by the readers of Rhode Island Monthly. McKee heads out for a 12-day vacation. Boy, glad to feel Governor McKee with the uh, the attitude almost of like mission accomplished. I don't see that in any way. You can also see there's a story that was an arrest at Cranston East and they sent out a press release on that. Coventry did in fact arrest a student on that. Uh, the Federal Hill standoff and then who is it that's arriving at Quonset and a lot more. It's all at the website. But Governor McKee heading out on a 12-day vacation. Now, I understand, and right now it's 12.09 on this Wednesday. Listen, I I understand the significance and importance of uh, just whoever it may be, right? Whoever just, it's it's healthy to take time off. Uh, It's, it's, you know, it's good human nature. Um, It's a big part of it. If anything, Americans many times compared to the rest of the world work too much. You go to different parts of the world, specifically Europe, and, uh, you know, they, they take the month of August off. I, I, I admit, you know, our, the, the American uh, mentality a little bit is a, is a lot of work. But, um, but that said, I am surprised that Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee, who took over in March, uh, that heading out and wherever he is, we'll see word may leak out at some point, I think, but we don't know. But... Um, 12 days off. I, I just, it's different than what others have done. And and on the one hand, all right, so it's two days shy of two full weeks off. But when you when you look at it like that, 12 days, almost two weeks, uh, the COVID numbers are going up. And his, you know, he has kept the Rhode Island Department of Health Director, Dr. Nicole Alexander-Scott. Now, as I have said, I, I think that is a mistake. Um, he he had an opportunity when he came in, and especially this past summer, but things were kind of like just flowing along, so maybe he didn't see the need to. I think he should have made some changes. I think she has been uh, in the grind now for almost two straight years, you know, since they started getting word of COVID February of 2020. Then in March is when the pandemic really kicked in. I think uh, the McKee administration in the state could benefit from just a different messenger, a different approach. 
Uh, Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott, to me, now listen, obviously she's brilliant, she's accomplished. No one is um, overlooking things that she's accomplished with Governor Raimondo, especially that first full year of the pandemic. However, um, like every other job, I, I think there's some element of burnout. I think, you know, she is not a natural, comfortable spokesperson. Um, I, I haven't seen that she has improved greatly in the job. And I know that seems critical, but I think a big part of the job of the Rhode Island Department of Health, and she is the head of it, I, I think a big part of that job is messaging. And what I find with Dr. Scott, there doesn't seem to be um, a lot of imagination. They, they seem a little parochial with their approach to things. Massachusetts and Connecticut are doing, trying some different things with schools, trying some different things with masks. I feel with Dr. Scott, a lot of times it's just, she's just parroting whatever the CDC says, right? They, they seem to be more interested in kind of like CYA a little bit, covering themselves as opposed to, you know, Rhode Island is unique and different and we're the smallest state, but we're very condense the way you know a lot of people kind of live on top of each other certainly especially in certain very dense certain communities so you you could take a little bit of a different approach to it um a lot of times i i just feel she's just regurgitating and um and not dealing with the facts in front of her and i also there's just no end of the theatrics right this morning uh dr scott's mother health professionals had a press conference they're outside I posted this on Facebook, but, you know, she's vaccinated. The three people with her are vaccinated. They're outside and three of them have masks on. I mean, I, I still don't think they understand. They, they're confusing people. I, I know that they're, they're trying to say in order to get the message across in some way, they need to be wearing a mask if they want other people to wear masks. I'm not convinced of that. Um, I think they could highlight, listen, we're outside, we're all vaccinated. But when they're outside and three of them are still wearing masks, I, I, I think the message kind of gets muddled. It just seems to be more theatrics. Dr. Scott is once again, you know, she's very alarmist of, you know, we gotta go back to masks, six feet distancing. Rhode Island, they have made great strides in getting people vaccinated. That's true. Um, I think a lot of people would look for. I also think where my criticism comes in of the Rhode Island Department of Health and Dr. Scott, you know, I'm not going to blame the media. The media will report what they they you know, what is being reported in some ways. Um, But this business, for instance, Pilgrim High School, high school, and I mentioned this, but. You know, they're doing distance learning because of a COVID outbreak, but and they, they're attributing it to a homecoming dance. But what does that mean? Right? If if you have fifty students that are testing positive, but they're all asymptomatic, none of them are sick, none of them are showing symptoms, none of them are in the hospital, then then what do you have? You have fifty students that just happen to test positive, but it doesn't mean they're in danger. Um, you know, I, I get the whole thing of the, that's where testing is important. A lot of things that the students are doing, you have to be tested. But I think that's important to discern. And I don't hear that being explained by Dr. Scott. Instead, you just hear the number about the, the testing positive. Now, it is true. There are people that receive the vaccine and they get tested and they're still testing positive for COVID. However... Again, they're not in the hospital. They're not in the hospital. They're not wildly sick. You know, uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupa, Gupia, uh, Gupa, whatever his last name, but on CNN, who I think is great, by the way. But he explained when he did that kind of a famous but a, a, a widely regarded interview on the Joe Rogan podcast was, all right, so if you are vaccinated, number one, you come in contact with someone that is COVID positive. Number one, your chances are getting it are greatly reduced because you were vaccinated. And there's a chance that you don't even get it. If you do get it, when you test positive, you may not show any signs. Your body's fighting it off and you get rid of it much quicker. So 
That's what he has explained are the benefits of being vaccinated. And I think that resonates. Um, I don't think enough is done because you still hear people saying, I don't get it. Right. You hear people that were vaccinated and they're still getting COVID. Right. But they're not dying in the hospital. It's, it's not a it's not a shield that goes around someone. Right. And then therefore they're they're never coming down the body every day at 1216. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro. As a doctor explained to me, you know, every single day your body is coming in contact with different viruses. But because of your immune system or how you treat your body or your health, you fight them off. Do you notice there are some people that are always sick? Now, that could be for various reasons. It could be they don't take care of themselves. They're run down. They, they don't get enough rest. But there's some people that are constantly sick. There's other people who seemingly are like never sick. So what, what's the difference? A lot of people are coming in contact. You know, people are coming in contact with the same viruses. But it's how the individual that then washes their hands, gets plenty of rest, drinks plenty of fluids, exercises, take cares, you know, takes care of themselves. They're then perhaps able to fight off these various viruses where someone may get a 24-hour bug. Someone isn't affected in any way. So I want to just come full circle. I, I just don't think it's being explained enough. And I think uh, Governor McKee, he had a window of opportunity this past summer. I'm going to say between uh, Memorial Day and Fourth of July or for sometime this past summer, whatever it would be, where he could have, you know, done a little musical chairs and rearranged some of the people that are serving him. Um, when he's going to hit the new ground, uh, the new year, excuse me, on the round, ground running, I, I don't know if that's going to be the right time. But I think he may have missed a window of opportunity to make some changes within his, his own administration, meaning the governor. So now I want to talk about, and we are going to talk about, um, but just to circle back, listen, I'm not saying uh, Governor McKee going away for 12 days I'm not saying it's going to make or break his political career. I think when you're in his situation and a lot of people are still getting used to knowing him, which they are, and he's dealing, Governor McKee is dealing with an ever increasing unpopular president. President Biden is just not popular. President Biden, more Americans are questioning how healthy he is if President Biden is up to the job. Right. More people. And by the way, those are all fair. Those are all fair questions. My point is. I don't believe someone that goes on a 12 day vacation the way Governor McKee is um, to me, they it's like a team that they feel they have enough of a lead that they could take out some of the starters. Right. And give them a rest. I'm not so sure he has the cushy lead of taking a 12-day vacation. Maybe when he was the mayor, he could do that. When he was lieutenant governor, he could do that. Um, I'm not saying he's in crisis mode, right? So I'm not saying that Governor McKee is in a crisis mode where he can't take a day off. So somewhere between, you know, an afternoon and 12 days, you meet in the middle, you know, maybe it's six days, seven days. Uh, next week, or as I was saying last time, maybe starting tomorrow, a little bit of a long weekend, Thursday, Friday off, Saturday, Sunday, you know, then next week's kind of a short week. But I, I just, you, don't, you never know what could happen. It's a fluid situation. There are definitely people, uh, political opponents have the daggers out for him. And as I was mentioning with, in our last segment last hour with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, I mean, I... Governor Kachiri, it became a running joke that every time he was out of town, something would go wrong. Governor Kachiri went on vacation to Ohio. You had the uh, smoke shop raid down in Charlestown with the Narragansett Indian tribe. Then he was um, he was in Florida. And number one, we got hit with a snowstorm and he was stuck there. Then number two was the station nightclub fire. So that was a double. And then number three... It was he was actually in Iraq visiting the troops the day of the December debacle, the anniversary coming up. I believe it's December 10th. 
December 10th or 13th, when those kids got caught on the school bus. So, um, so Governor McKee, you know, today is Wednesday the 17th. He is off until he's away or off with his family until next Sunday the 27th. Kind of a long time. Kind of a long time. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, you don't get any time off. I'm not saying you don't get any days off. He's definitely been in a grind. But I think they better hope that nothing kind of, because I don't believe his lieutenant governor is up to the task. I don't. I think if there was an emergency, you know, we saw it with the station nightclub fire. It was it was really haphazard. When Governor Kachiri arrived back in Rhode Island, the moment Governor Kachiri that Friday night arrived at the press briefing, he just brought this this uh, calming sense to the whole thing. Now, I am going to talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse situation in just a moment. But, folks, I want to remind you this portion uh, of the John DePietro Show. It's Kogi is brought to you by R.E. Coogan and Heating. Call them today, 401-732-6562. Listen, it's cold out today. Uh, I'm not going to break any news with this. It's going to continue to get colder. So if your heating system is not working now, I'm going to go out on a limb and bet it's probably not going to work that well next month or January or February. Call Kogi 24 Emergency Service, 401-732-6562. Gas boiler, oil boiler, uh, hot water heater, R.E. Coogan Heating, 401 401- 732-6562. Look for him on Facebook. Helpful, trustworthy, reliable, commercial, residential services. As Cook says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. Plumbing, heating, and cooling. It's Coogie, R.E. Coogan and Heating. Right now, if you're freezing because your heating system is not working efficiently, call them. 401-732-6562. Folks, as always, visit the website petro.com and petro.com which is brought to you by Tavolo wine bar Tuscan grill authentic innovative Italian cuisine three locations Providence Atwells Avenue Federal Hill Smithfield right near Bryant and Warwick Post Road Providence Smithfield Warwick stop in and see them delicious food also in the Providence location wine Wednesdays 50% off a bottle of wine and they have a great wine list at Tavolo T-A-V-O-L-O Wine Bar and Tuscan Grill online at TavoloWineBar.com. So the big news, obviously, is um, the country is is waiting on this Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. And, folks, whenever it happens, uh, obviously, we'll bring it to you. There's a lot of rumors flying around uh, about that. But um, but what's, what's happening um, right now, so the jury has some various questions and um, let me just see. This is just, I think people feel better when they have control. Uh, the bizarre, unusual moment when he picked his um, jurors out of the tumbler. I'll get to that. But I want to be very clear. Um, I, I believe that, um, that he should be found not guilty. And frankly, the, the media coverage of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial has been embarrassing it started from day one when Biden came out and called him a white supremacist. Um, if if something goes awry after this, there's there's you know the, you can point right at the White House for the way that they have treated this thing. So uh, so this is continuing, and the jury's trying to go through. And it's not easy, by the way. There's a lot of forms you have to fill out. I'm also seeing it's breaking that Jacob Chelsley, the self-described uh, QAnon shaman who marched through with the spear and the horn helmet. He just got 41 months in prison for January 6th. Think of that for a moment. So basically, 41 months, uh, you have to do 80% in the federal system. So he's basically got to do three years, maybe two and a half and then a halfway house. But he really got, um, he really got whacked. He uh, really got whacked as far as um, 41 months. You think about it, more than three, well, 41 months, more than three years, and that's federal, federal prison. Um, so that is, um, 
that is, uh, I, I think that is, uh, I mean, outrageous. Now, listen, he, he had the painted face, right? And he's got the horns. And he seemed really annoying in the video that I saw of him inside. But um, it was, uh, that, that sounds like a, a really, we're going to talk about it tomorrow with our legal expert, Tim Dodd. But 41 months in role for the Capitol riot, that, that sounds um, pretty severe for someone that basically marched around in costume and then, you know, he didn't, there's no evidence that he hit anybody. There's no evidence he hurt any officers or anything like that. It all just seemed to be that he was marching around. And then obviously with his get up and garb with the painted face, red, white, and blue, and he's got the horns and then the hat and the fur and the no shirt on. Um, he is someone that, um, that, that jumped out at everybody as, uh, you know, because it was just, I mean, to me, that just added to like the circus-like atmosphere that January 6th became. But that, that, that sound, I mean, they are, why are they doing that? They're trying to make an example out of him. They're trying to make an example out of all of them. Uh, why is the FBI calling parents that attend school committee meetings um, domestic terrorists? Why are they tracking them? To discourage them. To discourage them is why they're doing that. So why are they, why is Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, why is he going through this? To discourage him, to discourage them. They don't want anyone uh, like that to be, to be involved with something like that. And the whole element of self-defense. So there's, there's no other way to look at it. So, so many of the, the, you know, you think about it. We're coming up to Thanksgiving. Some of this January 6th crowd, I mean, they have been locked up. They almost going on a year, going on a year. And for what? Basically for trespassing and marching around with hats and flags. And you think of the damage that was done. Literally billions of dollars worth of damage was done by Black Lives Matter during the summer riots of 2020. Last summer, last summer, summer before 2020. And... My God, I mean, and, and they were all basically charges dropped or just called protesters. You know, one thing, I, that the video that I saw of this shaman that got the 41 months, like I said, he's like yelling and making noises and he even does like a prayer. He just seems wildly annoying, but he's not violent. There's no evidence he was violent anyone. He did leave notes. He left a note for Pence. Right. We'll be back. Uh, We're coming. He did leave some threatening notes and he was on the desk. But to me, he's just like a circus like character that got mixed up in the whole thing. But there's no evidence. He didn't assault anyone. He didn't, you know, fight with. There was no evidence or video that he was fighting with the police or anything like that. So he basically just got three years in federal prison for trespassing. That's really what they just hit him with. Even though some of the Capitol Police let them go inside and even open the doors for them to go inside. Folks, good afternoon at 1229. Uh, I'm going to play some of the sound of the, the Rittenhouse uh, case and some of the reaction to it in just a moment. But this portion of the program, hey, I want to once again tell you about our friend Michael at the CBD store, 1845 Post Road in Warwick. Stop in and see them. Uh, hemp and CBD, it's whether you're fighting stress, anxiety, Maybe you need a little help sleeping, uh, pain management, seizure. They even have things for your pets. Stop in. Now, if you would like a great night restful sleep without without feeling groggy the next day, you want to try the Delta 8 gummies. Uh, they are fantastic. You wake up nice and refreshed. It's like you feel like your body's getting a massage while you're going to sleep. It's that restful. They also have these wonderful droplets that you put for your pet and we've been using them with young rumsfeld little rummy who's 15 years old 105 dog years 15 years old and it really helps his hind legs so stop and see michael for your pet and listen i'll I'll let you in a little secret when your pet's feeling better you actually feel better you know the the moment i saw that rum could jump up and down off the back back deck better I actually felt better. I felt like I had done a good deed. I had. You can get this from Michael. And then oh, he also has some other tremendous products. Stop it and see him. And remember, folks, the best news of all, when you mention the John DePietro Show, 25% off 
Look for them on Facebook, The CBD Store, right off of 95, right across from the airport, right across from Airport Plaza, CBD Store Warwick. Stop in and see them today. Now, as always, folks, visit the website, petro.com, which is brought to you by Brood Awakenings. I love Brood Awakenings. Fresh ingredients, cozy environment, drive through both Johnston and Warwick. Stop in and see them. Brood Awakenings, the brood difference, whether it is in Warwick, Bald Hill Road, or Cranston, Pontiac Avenue, Johnston, Cherry Hill, and also... You have the brand new one in Providence, which even has a full-service bar, 100 Westminster. Stop in and see them at Brood Awakenings. All right, I want to play um, some of the sound from, uh, I guess the jurors had some questions with the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Now, there's all these people that are gathering out in front of the uh, courthouse, and that's obviously uh, very significant. It's kind of adding a little bit to the... um, Let's see. Let me just also just see some other news. Spokesperson to 310 students and staff got rapid COVID tested at the school of Pilgrim. Listen, those kids should be in school. Those kids should be in school, my opinion. Uh, I, I don't know why they are out, but they should be in school. But let me go to the, um, uh, the judge in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. This is new. Talking and complaining about the media. Grossly irresponsible, which they have been, as a matter of fact. Let's hear a little bit of this great judge. Very reputable. Attorneys that I've practiced with for years. And I think it's shameful. Some of the things that are being done to these people. And uh, I, 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 when I talked about um, problems with the media, when this trial started... We're there in part, not fully, but in part, because of grossly irresponsible handling That's right. of what comes out of this trial. Yep. I will tell you this, uh, I'm going to think long and hard about uh, live television, the trial, again, next time. I don't know. I, I, I've always been a firm believer in it, because I think the people should be able to see what's going on, but what I see, what's being done is really quite frightening. Well, you know, th- this is the narrative of, you know, he's a white supremacist. And so much misinformation that was put out there by the media. And they have been irresponsible, as a matter of fact. Um, but th- th- this business, uh, I also want to play uh, Rittenhouse judge defends his policy not allowing victims to refer to his victims. And also that he, he allowed Kyle Rittenhouse to pick the jurors out of the tumbler. What's the big deal with that? Well, let's hear it. The um, business about not being identified as victims. How would you like to be put on trial for a crime? And the judge introduced the case to the jury by introducing you as the defendant and the person who is accusing you as the victim. And then throughout the trial, have all the references to um, to the um, complaining witness as being the victim. Is it so difficult to just use the term complaining witness instead of prejudging what the jury is here to determine as to whether there's a victim and, and uh, whether there was a crime committed? They were rioting. So I don't know what the... Uh, well, I'll, I'll leave that kind of that. And then finally, I'm now reading about how bizarre and unusual it was to have the defendant pick the... Um, numbers out of the tumbler yesterday. And I would admit that I don't know that there's a large number of courts to do that, maybe not any. Uh, it, I do it because of an incident that I had in a case I tried in Racine. Oh, I'm going to say, I, I estimated 20 years ago it could have been less than that, it could have been more. But um, it, was a, it was a big case, I think it was a murder case, but I'm not sure. Um, and there were, there was a black defendant. And there were uh, 13 jurors, one of whom was black. And when the um, clerk, the clerk, the government official, drew the name out of the tumbler, it was a black, the black, the only black. There was nothing wrong with it. It was all okay. But when they talk about optics nowadays, is that the word for things? That was a bad optic, I thought. I think people feel better when they have control. So ever since that case, I have, uh, which was, well, 
Ever since that case, I, um, I've had an almost universal policy. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. These people going ballistic because he let Kyle Rittenhouse pick. Someone was going to pick it. Someone was going to decide who it was. Now, folks, also, how about the fact you want to talk about where the teachers union. Right now, it's 1236. I'm going to play something for you that no one else in the local media, I don't think, is going to play for you. And that is, this is a problem with the teachers unions in Rhode Island, where they have no problem. Teachers unions, leaders now, not saying teachers, teachers unions, they have no problem with critical race theory. They have no problem with, it's basically pornography in some of the schools. As long as it's transgender or same sex, they have no problem being very graphic about it. And now we go to the next level. Now, this was, quote, a non-binary assistant professor who tries to normalize the term minor attracted person. Now, in Rhode Island, it is not against the law for a teacher to have sexual relations with a student. It's not against the law. Why? Because the teachers union is so strong and they strike down any bill that would knock it out. Which means if you have a 24-year-old substitute or even just permanent teacher, male teacher, who's let's just say he's 24 years old, 23 years old. In Rhode Island, perfectly acceptable, legal for him to have sexual relations with underage students at the school, 16, 17, obviously, and maybe up. But what this is, this is an argument to try to normalize. It's basically trying to defend pedophiles. What they're trying to say is stop judging men who enjoy and are attracted to 13, 14 year old boys. And, you know, conversely, the same thing. Um, if there is a female, right, a female stu- a teacher, and, and by the way, same thing for if there's a male teacher who's having relations with a 12 or 13, 14 year old female student and or a female teacher having relations with either, there's nothing normal about it. It shouldn't be normalized. They've even come up with the term, which is MAP, minor attracted persons. So they want to get rid of, this is how frightening this is becoming, that this is a movement in the Rhode Island teachers unions. Get rid of, they're even coming, get rid of the word. Stop using the word, and the teachers unions support this. Stop using the word pedophile. Use the name MAP. They are minor attracted persons. Adults who are attracted to 13 and 14 year old children. You know, you even hear this. Some correlation with members of the certain one member of the media trying to defend that basketball coach in North Kingstown. Right. The naked fat tests. You had someone saying, even if it was, so what? So he's in a closet alone with a 13-year-old kid, and the kid's naked, and he's kneeling in front of him. So what? In my day, we would have laughed that off. Listen, there is, uh, this is not to be normalized. Uh, the more that people um, hear about this, you're going to see more parents want to get involved with school committees. More parents want to get involved with education. And, and I think you're going to have real pushback against the public schools because it's the public schools, the teachers unions, that they push this narrative that it's normalized. There's nothing wrong with it. Listen to this individual trying to say this is part of the Rhode Island teachers union narrative now. The union pushing this. Get rid of the word pedophile. They are minor attracted persons, people, adults who just... It's almost in their mind, like, let's just say you have a 30-year-old, 35-year-old teacher who just happens to enjoy drinking white wine. 
you know, there's nothing wrong with it. He just likes drinking white wine. He prefers white wine. What the teachers unions are trying to say is you have people that just prefer minors. 13, 14, nothing wrong with it. Let's stop the judging, right? The, the, the union stands firm. Union brotherhood, union sisterhood. Um, they certainly don't call out someone like this. They stop legislation that would prohibit and outlaw sexual relations with young people. I would argue a 13, 14-year-old child should not be having sexual relations, by the way, with any adult, let alone a teacher, someone in a position of authority. But they're trying to, you know, this is all part of the non-gender, no such thing as a boy, no such thing as a girl, men can give birth, right? Transgender, pronoun is the most important thing. Uh, Nothing wrong, stop judging. If there's a man who's attracted to naked 13, 14 year old boys, don't use the word pedophile. I'll use the word map, minor attracted person, teachers union pushing this. This is where parents should speak up. This is where parents should say enough. And the problem right now at 1242 folks on this Wednesday, as you know, the Democrat leaders are completely in the pocket of the teachers unions. Let's hear. This is someone trying to explain. It's very normal. You're going to see more and more stop using the word pedophile. Much like, you know, they started with years ago. Stop saying illegal alien. No person's illegal. Stop using the term. You can already hear from the teachers unions now. You can already hear from the teacher union people. It's minor attracted persons. All right, listen to this rationale. Um, I use the term minor attracted person or MAP uh, in the title and throughout the book for multiple reasons. Um, First of all, because I think it's important to use terminology for groups that members of that group want others to use for them. Um, And MAP advocacy groups like Before You Act um, have advocated for use of the term MAP. Um, They've advocated for it primarily because it's less stigmatizing than other terms like pedophile. Uh, A lot of people, when they hear the term pedophile, they automatically assume that it means a sex offender. Uh, And that isn't true, and it leads to a lot of misconceptions about attractions toward minors. Uh, I've definitely heard the idea that you brought up, though, that the use of the term minor attracted person suggests that it's okay to be attracted to children. Uh, But using a term that communicates who someone is attracted to doesn't indicate anything about the morality of that attraction. So much for that question. You know, that is, um, you know, again, though, don't be surprised, right? This, uh, This is the same crowd. This is the same people that are saying... Listen, what school libraries need, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the reading scores in the Rhode Island public schools are atrocious and miles behind Massachusetts. To them, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that basically 90% of the state cannot do math at grade level. In the union's mind, the most important thing, the most important thing in their mind is it's the gender it's the critical race theory it's let's shame the white kids uh you know diversity what's dr scott's favorite word ramundo used it equity diversity i love this story support for black lives matter declining across u.s polls show it's about time and then you have i'll tell you what else um, folks, and again, good afternoon. Next hour, I will play. Chris Christie got his clock cleaned. But um, I don't know why he's doing this book tour. I don't know why the former governor's going on MSNBC. I don't know why he thinks he's going to be welcomed by anyone. But I will play some of the sound coming up. But I'm friendly with Jim Hummel, who is the host of Lively Experiment. And this past weekend, if you heard last hour, I asked Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. He was a guest on it. They had three panelists. They had Bob Walsh, teachers union head, NEA Rhode Island. You had Dan McGowan of the Globe, who's neutral, right, journalist. And then they had on Leanne Sinek. Now, 
<coughs> I don't know if she's still with the Rhode Island Republican Party. Um, I know Leanne. How can I be kind about this? Pairing Bob Walsh up with her. See, you have McGowan in the middle. He's the journalist down the line, even though he's a columnist, as I think of it. But anyhow, but you have Walsh, and then who do they bring on to counter Walsh? Leanne Senek. Now, that is the equivalent of, like, the Washington generals against the Harlem Globetrotters. Leanne Senek is... um, how can I be kind here? Um, boy, this is a tough one. She's not a, you know, she's not a bad person, but I, I she's to, to say that she's out of her league against Bob Walsh is it, it just the, I'm even saying it. It's the, the understatement of the decade. I mean, it's like not even close. Right. This isn't even like the New England Patriots against a high school football team. This is. The New England Patriots against like a peewee type of team. Leanne Senek is like a behind the scenes person for the Republican Party. Again, I, I, I don't mean anything hurtful towards her. But if you were looking for people to make the argument or better yet, counter the argument against Captain Creep Walsh. She she doesn't make the top. 30 of people that I would, I mean, I, I just, it's, now I, I recognize if you're lively experimenting your Hummel, number one, they want a female to balance out the panel. Number two, they want a Republican. So they, he doesn't go with people in elected office. So it's, it's limited a little bit, but I'm trying to be kind here. I just wouldn't put that as her strong suit. But Bob Walsh of the teachers union, listen to him completely slander. Our friend Nicole Solis and the way he describes, see, they're trying to discourage the union of parents getting involved with school committees. They don't want the parents involved in school committees. So this is a, a, a tweet, a clip that's floating around on Twitter. I still say if they're going to have Walsh on and I know Hummel and next time I see Hummel, I'm not that he's asking my advice, but. Like, how about at least a fighting chance? Not, like I said, it's like the Washington Generals against the Globetrotters here. Walsh is, he's stickering, right? He's obnoxious. He runs out the clock. He's insulting. He's the know-it-all. Um, really unfair to give him this podium against, you'd really have to have your A-game. And Leanne Senek, that's just not her thing. If you want to know what are the emails being sent out of the Republican Party, she's your person. If you want to know whatever the party talking points are, she's your person. But to go hand-to-hand combat against Walsh, she is not suited for that. Uh, Many years ago, I was on Lively, and I was on a panel, and Walsh was there. And then it got got ugly pretty fast, and then they never had me back on again. (laughs) against him. But anyhow, listen to him describe parents. You can't be a stay-at-home mother if you're going to school committees meetings. You can't speak out at school committee meetings. Parents are supposed to be silent. This is Captain, as I used to call him, Captain Creep. Listen to Walsh. That's occurring in Rhode Island, um, led by a couple of folks who deem themselves reporters, and they're not. And uh, some of the same folks who go to a school committee meeting in South Kingstown, then end up in North Kingstown, then end up in Bristol Warren, and then run down to Cherahoe, and it's the same parents. Those aren't involved parents, those are activists. You can't say you're a stay at home mom when every night you're in a different community at a different school committee meeting screaming at the top of your lungs about things that aren't happening. You know, now, first of all, what he said is not true. Um, I don't know the rest of it. I didn't see the episode. It doesn't sound like he was asked to justify that. But and by the way, there's also there's no one that fits that description. There are some people in different communities that are certainly paying attention more to what's going on at these school committee meetings. And the union doesn't like it because what they like to do is they like to have their members run for office. The teachers unions like to control the school committees. As a matter of fact, they like to treat them like puppets. 
and they like to manipulate the school committee meetings. They don't like attention on the school committee meetings. In the past, most of the time, let's be honest, there hasn't been a lot of attention in school committee meetings. Um, until what started the interest in it? it? Started during the pandemic when kids were at home and parents could hear some of these Zoom classes that they were part of. And parents would say, wait, that's being taught? Why is that being taught? Parents started like, wait a minute, parents are home and they're listening to what's being taught. Then you had people that started blowing the whistle on what was going on. And you had parents step forward, like Nicole Solis, who, who said, well, wait a minute, why, why is there no girls lavatory? Oh, no, non-gender, boys and girls use the same. You know, in Virginia, they covered up that there was a boy that claimed he was transgender and he wore a, a, a skirt and he sexually assaulted a female student in the, the ladies' room, if you will. There, there's a reason why there's a boys' room and a girls' room. And, and then and they, you know, they really started to push there's no boys or girls, there's no gender. Then as more parents started to look at what was being taught. Um, we've had Ramona Bessinger on. All these pamphlets were arriving at her school and books she never heard of before. And, you know, the exercise of white teachers had to go on the walk of shame and kids had to stand up in class and apologize to the students of color. The fact that, you know, their parents were racist, their grandparents were racist and parents started like, whoa, whoa, what is this? How is this? Why is everything suddenly about race? So parents started going to the school committee meetings and they said, you know, I have some questions about what's going on in these school committee meetings. And instead, they were told by the school committee, uh, sit down, shut up, and you're not going to say a word. And then you had high level Democrats saying parents have no right to be involved with what's being taught in the schools. And so then you get parents that are pushing back and parents saying, like, excuse me, I have no right to be involved with what's being taught in the public school. You know, we pay your we pay your salaries. We pay for the school. What do you mean we don't have a right to to what's going on? We don't have a right to question some of this stuff. Parents are getting, you know, books that are coming home and pamphlets that are coming home and online resources that are encouraging. Um, look at North Kingstown. You know, they're encouraging. You're not a pedophile. There are some children that are just attracted to adults. And then you have, there's nothing wrong with an adult that it's attracted to younger students. And then you hear about the coach doing the naked fat tests. And folks, it is the Democrat Party that is defending all this. And the reason why Bob Walsh is so upset, the head of the teachers union, is many of the people that he wants to either run for school committee or run for re-election on school committee are saying, I don't need the hassle. I don't need it. I go to the meeting and all these parents come in and they're asking questions and they're questioning what we're teaching and, you know, all these different things. And I that's not what I signed up for. So he's frustrated. So what does Walsh do? He starts attacking the stay at home moms. He starts attacking parents that go to school committee meetings and lying about well, they go on a traveling roadshow totally made up. You know, I don't know why. Well, I don't know. I don't know why he, he shouldn't be allowed to go on and slander and defame people like that. Um, Nicole Salas should take legal action against them. Lively experiment. As much as I like Hummel, um, you know, when you have Bob Walsh on there and you, may, maybe someone canceled and you have no one to push back on the lies and misinformation that he's putting out there. You're doing everyone a misservice. Now, I'll also say this about the media. They're frightened of the teachers unions. Folks, if, you're, if you want an example of what they'll do to you, look no further than yours truly. I dealt with a year, years boycott, years boycott from the teachers unions. Why? They wanted to silence me. Why? Intimidate, make an example out of them. They did. 
Absolutely did. Went on for years. And the people I was working for were outmatched, outgunned, didn't know how to deal with it. Was always go in the bunker, hide, hopefully they'll go away. And they don't, like the big bad wolf. Um, Times are different. People are speaking up. You have a right to know what's being taught in the classroom. You have a right to have input on what's being taught in the classroom. They have a right to defend whatever it is. But the answer can't be, it's none of your business. The answer can't be, you'll talk when we allow you to talk. School committee meetings, not a lot of profiles and courage floating around right now at these school committee meetings. Uh, That North Kingstown situation is... That, to me, that's an extreme example because it's so broken. That superintendent should have been flushed out of there, that guy. What an embarrassment. And he can't even keep his story straight. You know, when they have meetings in uh, North Kingstown behind closed doors, it's not to make the prudent decision of what should be done. It's there behind closed doors to get their story straight. Here's what we're going to tell everybody. That seemingly is what is going on. Folks, again, go to the website, petro.com Brought to you by the Centerdale. Centerdale Revival. Comfort food and cocktails. Shane and company are waiting for you. 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. There's a link right there on the website, petro.com Delicious food and drink and winner of several Rhode Island Monthly Best of Awards. The Centerdale Revival. I love it there. Great staff as well. Folks, right now it's 1257. Now, next hour, I will play some of the latest sound now. Uh, regarding this situation, both on the Rittenhouse trial and we're on, we're waiting for a word on the verdict, and um, and jury did the jury did have some questions and who knows we don't know how long they're going to deliberate inside in front of the the um, courthouse is becoming a little bit more of a circus like atmosphere. Um, I just hope that they do not um, allow. You know this thing to get to get out of hand in front in front of the courthouse. It shouldn't be allowed to go on in that way. And then also, I'm going to play former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who wants to seemingly run for president in 2024. <clears throat> why he decided to go on, who whoever why whyever he thought it would be a good idea to go on uh, MSNBC. It blew up in his face, and it was a disaster. And he seemed like a hothead, and he seemed very defensive. Um, You know, there's a lot of options. Why he decided to put himself through that and everything else is just beyond me. Folks, again, visit the website, thepetro.com, which is brought to you by the Coesed Inn, a Rhode Island tradition since 1977, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, uh, open uh, for lunch and dinner and drinks, big bar area. You're going to love it. A great meal is waiting for you at the Coincident. So right now it's 1259. We're going to break for the one o'clock news. We will continue to monitor the Kyle Rittenhouse jury, but a lot more in next hour. And also the COVID situation in Rhode Island. I think the Rhode Island Department of Health is, uh, I think they're playing this wrong. I think they're getting it wrong. We're also going to play some of the bias from uh, the, the media on the Rittenhouse verdict. We're going to play some of the bias as well. Uh, next hour, radio only, AM 1380 or 99.9 FM, or you can listen at the website, dipetro.com. It's John DePetro. A lot more to go. We are going to break for, get a news update at 1 o'clock. The power hour is next. Leave it right here. We'll be back on the other side after the 1 o'clock news. <laughs>